0: You're listening to episode 47 of the Sustainable Minimalists Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hey there, and welcome back. Today, we're talking about the side effects of minimalism. More specifically, we're analyzing the ways in which small changes in the home translate into big changes all positive, by the way, in other areas of our lives. Now, we're not talking about the how today. We're not talking about how to go minimal, how to declutter, where to donate your stuff. Today, we're talking about the why. My guest today is Rebecca David. She's here to explain exactly how her life changed and really how she changed after she found herself past the difficult phase of decluttering her home and her craft supplies. You'll hear Rebecca talk today about how she used to save absolutely everything for potential crafting projects and how difficult it was to let the crafting side of her imaginary self go. My hope today is that if you've been thinking about sustainable minimalism, if it sounds good to you, but you're still on the fence, my hope is that today's interview with Rebecca will be exactly what you need to take the minimalist plunge. This week's show notes can be found at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 047, mamaminimalist.com forward slash 047. Enjoy the interview. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on. Today, we are talking all about the surprising and unintended side effects of minimalism. But before we get into all that, why don't we start by you telling us
1: about yourself and how you found minimalism? So I live in the upstate of South Carolina, and I have always been a self-professed um, Crafter. I, I always like to do all the crafting. Um, and then I was kind of a collector of things. So that led to my house being like just wild, jam packed. Um, I fell into the black hole of Pinterest, you know, that urges you to keep every scrap of garbage because you might be able to repurpose it somewhere. So my house was just kind of overflowing. And so, along with that, um, you know, trying to figure out where to keep everything because, you know, I kept everything and it was just getting in piles and it was a mess. And so trying to figure out some kind of like organizational strategy kind of thing um, was kind of what I was after. And it was through, you know, again, searching Pinterest, which was part of the cause of my problem. Um, I found um, an article about minimalism and decluttering. And it was so just like, I never, it had never occurred to me that, I could just not own my stuff. Like that was like this wild concept. Like I, I, I was kind of under the impression that once you own something, you owned it forever and there was nothing you could do about it. But the idea of just, of decluttering and minimalism, it really resonated with me. And I think I researched it for a week straight and did nothing but that, um, before I decided to take the jump and just try it out, see how it went. And it was kind of, um, I had a bit of anxiety about it since I did craft so much. I was like, oh, I'm not sure I want to let go of all my stuff. But I did. I I took the jump into it and I've not looked back since.
0: I'm sure there are many crafters listening today who are maybe in the same boat as you. They love to craft and they don't want to get rid of those. I don't know. Today, my daughter and I were doing something with googly eyes, you know, those like, (laughs) and they don't want to get rid of their googly eyes or their excess fabric or whatever it is because they might want to use it in a craft later. What would you say to crafters like you?
1: Well, one of the things that really helped me is, you know, when I crafted, I tried to do everything. So I tried to sew and I tried to make things out of paper. I, you know, anything that came up on Pinterest, I was like, I'm doing that. I'm doing that craft. So my advice would be like, pick the one that you really love and then just focus on that. So if Mm -hmm. you like to sew or quilt, you know, you'd keep your fabric scraps, you know, but you might not keep the Five packs of scrapbooking paper that you've been hanging on to for however many years and never touched. (laughs) Because that's how most of my crafting things went. I'd get it and I would hoard it and then I wouldn't touch it for years at a time. Let's talk not
0: about the decluttering and minimizing process, but let's talk about immediately after. How did your life change immediately after decluttering your living space?
1: So I'm going to be super honest. Immediately after decluttering, um, I had a lot of anxiety about it because um, I think that first weekend I got rid of like 75% of my stuff. So all of a sudden I was just in an empty house, which is a little jarring um, when you've had so much stuff and then it's just empty. But I found it was really relaxing because I didn't have things to clean because there was nothing in my house. But the thing that I noticed right off was because I had so much space Like in my house and because I'd gotten rid of so much of the, um, clutter and so many of the crafty things and so many of everything else, I had this space to try and figure out, okay, so I I have, I have nothing in my house. What do I want to do? What do I want my house to look like? What do I want my hobbies to be? You know, I was kind of starting from scratch and trying to figure out, well, who am I and what do I want? One of the biggest things, like right afterwards was this whole, um, like self discovery kind of process that I didn't think would happen. Like I thought I was just cleaning my house. And then all of a sudden, it's, well, who am I? And and who do I want to be? And what do I want to fill my life with? I love that you
0: use the word self-discovery, because the process of minimizing your stuff and investing so much time and energy in minimalism as you go through whatever the size of your house is. It really is a process of self-discovery and that process doesn't end once your house is decluttered. I know for non-minimalists to hear that, they probably think it sounds like crazy talk, but it's true. It really is a process of self-discovery as you seek to live more intentionally going forward
1: when I was, you know, a little kid, and I was in grade school, and, and high school, and all of those things, you know, I, I noticed that there were, you know, th- there'd be a lesson. And there are always kids in the class that would raise their hand, and they'd ask questions. And they'd always ask, why? Well, why is that like that? And why is this like this? And I was never that kid, I was never the kid to ask questions about anything, you know, if if my parents told me to do something, it was, okay, I'll, I'll do that. If, Um, something was explained to me in class. It was just, okay, that's the way it is. Like I didn't question anything. And so that carried over um, into my adult life that it was, okay, you get a job, you're stressed out, you collect things in your home. And it was just, that's the way it is. Like I just accepted, this is how it is. You know, we work the job to have the things to fill our houses. And then that's what life is about. And I didn't question that for so long. Um, It was just, I accepted it. And so when I started pursuing minimalism and really being intentional about what I wanted in my life and who I wanted to be, I started asking "Why?" about everything. I started questioning everything that was coming into my life. So when I would be, you know, invited to various social events, I would kind of ask myself, "Well, why?" Or, or, or what value does this bring into my life? Like, is this pushing me forward to the life I want to be living? Is this something that would fill me up? Am I going to regret not having spent this time with my friends? later when you know people would say hey you should buy this for your home the question is why or why do I need that or when I'd watch you know the commercials that tell you hey you need this and this and this the question is why why do I need that do I really need it can I live without it Um, so there's a lot of gadgets I always talk about in my blog my blender that I'd had and it was kind of well I need this and I started questioning well why why do I need this and I'd say well I need it for this and this and this I need it for these recipes And then it was, well, can I live without it? Can I just not have it? Is it really essential for my life to make those meals or make those dishes or have the fruit smoothies, even though I only made them once every couple months? I had a very um, up and down relationship with that blender, Uh, but eventually I decided, you know. I don't, I don't need it. But with everything, I started questioning why or what's, what's the why behind it or do I really need it? And so asking the questions is something really unexpected because I'd never been that person before. I hadn't been that person in 25 years of my life. And suddenly, I was that person who had to question absolutely everything. I love
0: that. What I hear you essentially saying is that the skills you hone through minimizing your stuff sets you up to do it in the real world. So like, perhaps you ask yourself, why do I have that trinket on that shelf? And it sounds like such a simple question as you ask it yourself in the safety of your own house. But it's actually a huge question because you're... Teaching the skills necessary to then ask yourself down the road, why is it my gut reaction to say yes to this invitation to a party that I don't even want to go to? Or why do I feel as though I'm obligated to bring three homemade batches of cookies to my son's Halloween party? Little successes in the house set yourself up for big successes in life. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Hmm.
0: That kind of brings me into another side effect that you discussed on your blog, which is you feel more present in your life, and that is like that is huge like if minimalism can do that for you and for others, minimalism is kind of magic <laughs> Tell me more about that
1: so this all I feel like this all goes back to like the person I was then and now like the person I am now, but I used to be very um I'm, try- I'm trying to think of the right, right word. I don't know the right word. I couldn't ever like let my mind rest. So like if if there was dirty dishes on the coffee table, I would have to take care of them right then or I would obsess over and just think about it. So like if I would have friends over and we would be you know hanging out together, having a good time, but then there's something out of place on one of the shelves or if everything isn't lined up just right, like I would just obsess over it and think about that or think about how okay, this is a mess, or okay, we're having this dinner party, but I'm going to have to wash all of these dishes later, or I'm going to have to clean up all of this, or I'd have um crafting parties, um, you know, because I was such a crafter. And so it, it was kind of, it kind of took away from me being with my friends, because I was always thinking about, well, I'm going to have to clean up after this, and I'm going to have to move these things. And my, my house is a mess or, you know, like cleaning the house ahead of time before they get there and then obsessing while they're there. Like, is it clean enough? Or are, are they thinking about how clean my house is? Or my mind would always wander, it would always be somewhere else. It would always be worrying about those different facets of my house and whether things were clean enough or what I'd have to clean later. So I was never really present. And along with that too was, you know, I tried to do so many things. And so I always had that running to-do list in my head that I would think about and I would be distracted by that as I was with people and trying to be in community with them. And so it really, it really took me away from the moment because I was always thinking about something else or, and a lot of times the conversation revolved around those other things that I was thinking about. So I was never really like present with my friends and with my family because there's always so much more going on that I was thinking about that I had to do or that I was worried about having to clean or, you know, just all these things. So when I, was able to remove clutter. I like to think that my house now stays in like this perpetual state of clean, even though that isn't always true. Um, But it just takes away that one thing to worry about, right? So like if a friend of mine just stopped by unexpectedly, I'm not sitting there the whole time thinking, oh, I wish wish they had called. I wish I could have cleaned. My my home is just ready for them to be there so I can fellowship and be in community with them. And then since I I don't do as many things and my schedule has slowed down, I don't have that running to-do list in my head. So I'm able to give every bit of my attention to the person sitting in front of me. Mm,
0: That's beautiful. Tell us about the moment you realized that your baseline was calmer.
1: I I think the the whole calm thing has to do with, you know, I always had a to-do list that was a mile long. And so I never felt like I could sit down. I never felt like I could take a break because I had so many things that I needed to do. I, I remember there was one point in, in my minimalist journey where I was looking for my next step. I decluttered. I had the clean house. And I was looking for my next thing that I was you know, supposed to be doing, I guess. And I'd come across some articles on you know decluttering your schedule and not having so many things to do. And I thought, that's weird. Like, why would anyone want to do that? Um, You know, because I kind of had this thought in my head that if you're busy, you're living a full and fulfilling life. So I thought, well, let me try it. Let me say no to the things I don't want to do. Let me schedule time to like relax. And it was really weird at first. I didn't like it. But after a while, I was like, you know, this is nice. I didn't have things that I was worried about doing. I was able to just sit and relax. I was able to read a book. I, you know, like there are just different little things that I enjoy doing that then I was able to do because I didn't have that to do list or the things I felt I needed to do. And I don't remember the exact moment, but it was all of a sudden my life was so calm. Like it was just very relaxing. You know, I think I did chores first thing in the morning before I'd go to work. And then I'd get home and it's, well, this is so relaxing. And this is so nice. And I remember telling some one of my coworkers um, what I did after work. You know that I, I'd go home and I'd have dinner, and then I'd you know hang out with my my pets, and then I would I would read a book, and I might you know watch some Netflix, and then I would go to bed. And they were like, "Wow!" When I get home, I do. And they'd list off like ten or fifteen things that they like chores that they would have to do when they got home. And that's when I realized, wow you know, I don't really do a lot. I I essentially come home and I I just relax and I do nothing. And I started thinking about, well, I used to be that way where I would do a dozen things and go, go, go until I was exhausted. So as as I progressed, like through minimalism and like was on the journey, you don't really see like the changes happening because they're so small and they're such like minor shifts. Like, you know, maybe one day you might do like one fewer task, you you know, and the next day do another one task less. So like they're gradual shifts and and they seem like small shifts at the time. But then when you stop and you look back to like where you were a month ago or two months ago, like it is drastically different.
0: You're right. And something I've noticed in my own life is once I had a taste of true calm. It's addicting and I want to do whatever I can to maintain it. Well, I don't want to say I used to be a drama queen because I definitely don't think that's accurate, but I definitely used to seek out drama sort of. Like I didn't create it, but if there was drama in the periphery, like I would ask or I would insert myself into it to get the full details. And I really do believe that minimalism and like my love of true calm that minimalism has given me has made me just completely step away from anything, including little and big dramas that would disrupt it. So uh, somebody told me once a really great quote, and it was, don't attend every argument you're Invited to. And minimalism has really shown me the benefit of not attending every drama filled party that I could be invited to. If that makes any sense to anybody, there it is. Um,
1: (laughs) There it is. That makes total sense. Absolutely. One of the things I realize is, you know, just like we can say no thank you to social events or obligations like in our schedule. Um, You can say no thank you to certain conversations. So I mean, I've had people in my life, you know, they want to gossip and tell me about this drama and this and it's okay. And then I just changed the subject to something completely different because it's, I don't want to talk about this. I don't, you know, I don't want to be involved in that. So like, I totally, completely understand where you're coming from.
0: Something else that I love that you wrote about when you discussed the side effects of minimalism is your increased appreciation for self-care. So I'm wondering, what does self-care look like for you these days?
1: Oh, goodness. So it's changed a lot. When I first started, self-care was, I'm going to sit down and read a book. And that was essentially all it was. And my my understanding of self-care has shifted so much over the years. So these days, um my self-care focuses a lot more on my health. I'm going to make an effort in the morning to wash my face and brush my teeth and take my vitamins, eat a healthy breakfast and, you know, take that time for things that are healthy or for exercising kind of thing. You know, because I think we we get in this mindset of self-care is the bubble baths and the chocolate and the, the lattes, you know, and all the pampering stuff. And and that's what I started out as. But I've really shifted into the self-care as, as just taking care of my body and You know, making sure I I stay healthy, but then also making sure I stay healthy, like mentally and emotionally. So a lot of times my self-care is I just sit alone in a quiet place and I journal out my feelings and my thoughts to kind of decompress from from the day. But it's definitely a lot less of the bubble baths and, and lattes and things like that. Um, it's a lot less of the, the pampering than what it used to be. But I will say the one thing that makes like the night and day difference in my self care and how I feel about myself is whether or not my fingernails are painted. <laughs> so that's something I've, I've actually gotten back to doing is, you know, making sure my, my fingernails are painted. And I don't know what it is about that, but that makes like the night and day difference yeah
0: huh. that's interesting. It, you know, self-care means different things to different people and there's no right way or wrong way to practice self-care. You touched on that. It's whatever makes yourself feel good and feel rejuvenated. So I love that for you, it's painted nails. I just had a guest on episode 45. She's also like a huge journaler. Self-care for her is sitting in a room with her journal and just being quiet for ten minutes, so self-care could be running self-care could be bubble baths I mean there's no wrong answer as long as you make the time to do it and minimalism gives you that time
1: oh absolutely um, I don't think I I was so bad at self-care um, through the majority of my life really until minimalism and I had the space and I cleared up my schedule and it was part of that self-discovery that you know that we talked about. Because it was, well, what do I want to fill my time with and what do I want my life to be? And so while you are trying to figure that out, it's natural to just turn inward and focus on yourself and what your needs are and just start meeting those needs um, because that's naturally gonna lead you to, you know, what you wanna fill your life with. So really it was I had nothing else to do but meet my needs and take care of myself and practice self-care and figure out what worked for me and and what was relaxing. The final side effect I
0: would love for you to tell us about today is your increased appreciation for white space and silence.
1: So I think this kind of goes back to um, when you had mentioned that when you had um, first tasted like true calm, that it was addictive. Um, So it it was kind of like that. um, Once I had the space and the silence, like I just craved more of it. But I want to go back to, I like to make the comparison of my life after minimalism to my life before minimalism. Before minimalism, you know, I I thought that every space in my home had to be filled. Um, I saw white space or empty walls as something that was ugly and depressing. And then Even like silence, like sitting in silence or not having the radio on or not having a TV on, like it would drive me nuts because I felt like this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, It just, it was so alien to me. I was always around people, always had, was always watching TV, always had something going on. So when I, I decluttered and I found minimalism and I started making this space and then taking time to relax and to just sit there there was just this space like there there's no getting around you know the the empty coffee table or the the bare space on the wall like there, there's not a lot getting around that like when you when you downsize as much as I did and I started to to appreciate that like it was almost like a breath of fresh air so like there was that anxiety at first that I mentioned when my house was just empty but once that started to pass it was like this whole weight was like just lifted off my shoulders and it was like this is so nice. And I, I started to to crave that and to love that. Um, So in our home now, I think we have like two things on our wall in the entire house, just because I love it. I love the look of just a clean blank wall or, or just a spacious room with only like two or three things in it. And it's the same with the silence, because <laughs> it, it wasn't something like I'd, I'd had a lot, you know, I mentioned I always had a TV on always had a radio on. But when I was younger, you know, I knew I was an introvert but I didn't actually like know what that meant or that um, silence is something that is like good for me as an introvert. So once I started spending time, like in that space and just being quiet and being with myself and reflecting, it's, it's like you said about the true calm, like it's, it's addictive. It's, I started to crave that um, because it's in that silence, you know, as I was trying to discover who I was, like a lot of that was done in the silence, right? Like you can't, Focus on on your thoughts or on what you are doing. If you always have a TV on, if you always have the distraction, you know, like you are not fully present with who you are with. If you have the distractions around you, if you have all of the music and all of the TV and you know all this other stuff, yes. Once you clear
0: out the clutter, once you clear out everything that's excessive, the noise, the overstimulating stuff, you have no choice to look inside. Is that what you are saying?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, And and I think what it came down to is, you know, the the noise and, and the clutter and the things, you know, that I would bring into my home. It was all a distraction, right? You know, because diving inward and like, really discovering who you are and like, shifting past, you know, different roadblocks and ways of thinking, that's not easy things. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Like, when you get to A point in your life and you realize, I don't know who I am or who I want to be. That's really uncomfortable. Like that's not, that's not a fun thing. So I think everything I was bringing in up to that point, it was a distraction so that I wouldn't have to be alone with my thoughts. I wouldn't have to um, dig deeper. I wouldn't have to analyze my actions. I wouldn't have to ask myself what my intentions were behind Buying certain things, like I think it was all—it was all just kind of a band aid fix, so I wouldn't have to dive deeper and really like figure myself out.
0: Yeah, minimalism stripped everything away, so that you had no choice but to do that difficult work. Absolutely, Rebecca. One final question for anybody listening today who thinks minimalism sounds, you know, really great, and I think we totally sold minimalism today, by the way. But uh, who? knows they need to declutter, but just find themselves dragging their feet because it seems like such a daunting task to minimize a household. Do you have any words of
1: encouragement for listeners like them? I would say, you know, just focus on one space. And I wouldn't even go about it from the standpoint of, okay, I need to declutter and I I need to clean it, you know, for the sake of decluttering. But look at it from a sense of, you know, because we, we talked about all these, these great things that can come forward of, of self-care and self-discovery. So I would encourage y'all listening to look at it from a standpoint of you're doing this for you. And so declutter your space, like whether it's just a corner of a room, or maybe it's your bedroom, or maybe it's the bathroom, treat it like an act of self-care for yourself and the first step of your self-discovery and that it's it's for you and it's one space and you can create that one space into that is your your little sanctuary. That is where you go to have your quiet, to have your space and your peace. Because once you get that one space, you know, even if it's small, like a bathroom or, or whatever or a corner of a room, you know, like we've talked about, like that that's addictive. You're going to crave that in more places, and that's going to give you the motivation to keep moving forward. Once you get a taste of that space and that silence and that true calm. Mm.
0: Agreed. Tell us, uh, about your blog and about where listeners can find you.
1: All right. So I run a blog over at LunanimaFox.com, um, where we talk about, you know, minimalism and all of the benefits that come with that. And we dive a lot deeper into self-care and then, um, the whole self discovery journey um because that that's where I don't know if you can tell that's where my my passion and my focus has gone to is that whole journey of self discovery but with all of it it all all starts with minimalism so there's there's checklists and there's um you know motivation to get you started and then take you past that decluttering journey and on with your self discovery I will absolutely link to your blog
0: and to all your social media handles in the show notes. Rebecca, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on and having this amazing discussion with me. I truly enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, We got a lot deeper today than than I thought we would.
0: I know. We covered an awful lot of ground in 32 minutes. So (laughs) thank you. I so hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rebecca David, and there you have it. If you didn't previously think that minimalism was magical, now you know. Friendly reminder to join our Facebook community by searching Facebook for Sustainable Minimalists. Reach out, ask your questions, I'm here for you. On next week's show, we are discussing the items you no longer need to buy as a sustainable minimalist. If you are from the United States and are celebrating Thanksgiving this week, I hope you and your family have a joyous celebration and I will see you next week. Take care.